Well, it's it's interesting. It's a it's an AI company, and we used AI to to determine the name, and that was the the best one out of the algorithm. So yeah, it's a it's it's completely high tech. <laughs> Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. It was it was really cool to meet you. I, I'm surprised. I, I had lived in Malta for three years where I, I trained as a doctor. And I'm surprised that you and I, our paths never crossed until that night after MedTech World. So uh, yeah, we actually met on the balcony at the celebration party afterwards. And uh, that's where I was kind of able to tell you a little bit about Comsi. And, and uh, yeah, it was a good connection, a lot of good energy, I thought. So, but Absolutely. Absolutely. It was such a cool experience. That was my first uh, conference since COVID and my first conference as a chief medical officer. And you guys did. Yeah, you guys did such a cool job. Uh, so I think we, we pretty much owe a particular shout out to Dylan and Ryan uh, for, for putting together such a special and well-run event. I mean, that was it was really impressive. I've been to a lot of conferences as a physician but this was like the this was the best run uh, conference I've ever been to. You walk into that that main room and it was just overwhelming how cool and modern it was. So I, I was I was real excited to be there and to be asked to be a part of it. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, I, I'll I'll tell you a little bit about my impression of of like the community there first, and then I'll tell you about one particular keynote that has has affected us and kind of driven our business model uh, since the the conference, which is really interesting because it, it, I think it's kind of shaping our products over the next two years, most likely. So what well, Comsi started in the middle of the COVID pandemic. So we were all kind of sitting on our couches, creating these telemedicine platforms. And then it progressed to like mental health apps and digital therapeutics. We were doing this all from our, our patios. And then you know the borders open up and you get to go to a conference like this and you realize that you're part of this wave of people who are transforming healthcare. And when you think about it, you think about it, you know, people transforming healthcare from like a lab and they're all dressed in white coats, but we were doing it from our living rooms at our home offices and stuff. So it was really cool to see the impact that everybody's vision has and the ideas have on each other as, as you get together as, as an industry. So I, I had, you know, introductions and conversations there with people from different medical specialties. And they gave us, like I said, insights to our products that that are shaping the way that we're doing things now, uh, you know, so much differently than before the conference. So it was a really good investment of our, our time. Now, one of the one of the cool takeaway messages for me 
was from, do you remember Ruthie Kadar from uh, Microsoft? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, she she makes a, a a good impression on the audience, and it really talked about some some really interesting things. But one of the things that she said was that users are so used to like an enhanced customer experience on their devices that through other applications that they interact with on a daily basis that they they expect similar experiences through their healthcare interfaces. So that created all sorts of like really fun and challenging questions with, with my medical team, like how do you enhance the patient experience and you know, how do you gamify healthcare and, you know, while still maintaining integrity and making sure that it's still evidence-based. So, so one simple speech, you know, and I think it was like the third speech on, on the first day uh, really changed the way I, uh, I approach my product development um, from a medical aspect. And, uh, Yeah, it was really, really cool. Plus, I mean, they, they featured, you know, Kevin Kassar, who, like, if you've trained under this guy, he's just a, you know, he, he's kind of a hero in, in Malta. Yeah, and so it was really, really neat to see him up on the big screen and see these, uh, like, Malta has a great healthcare system. It's one of the best in Europe, but to see it celebrated uh, by a huge company like Microsoft and to see, you know, uh, to, to, to see your hero up on the screen is kind of cool. But it, it really, and it, it, I think all those, all the keynotes really kind of come together to enhance the user experience and the patient experience. And that's, that's why we're there. And it's just to bring value to the patients and improve patient outcomes. And I, I think, you know, we're real fortunate to have been a part of, of med tech world. Uh, and it, it, it's, it's a, it, it's a real fortunate space to be in right now because we're able to impact so many lives. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I'm currently in London. Oh no, I left, I left med. Yeah. 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 You leave the hospital. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. I, I was thinking about this question last night cause I'd heard you mention it, you know, on, on previous podcasts and I was thinking about my journey and it's not typical. It's got all these twists and turns, but we're, we're kind of in a pioneering age right now with med tech and digital therapeutics. So, so I don't really think anybody's story is typical or there's a straight path into it. Uh, however, I did see you interviewing one of the guys that's going through the the graduating cohorts uh, in that first Masters of Digital Health in Malta. It was a lot.
Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, I just thought it was really cool that they now have a direct path where a lot of us who are in it right now have kind of stumbled into it or made a really conscious, hard decision to leave the hospital and focus on um, mental health or, or uh, I'm sorry, digital health. So now I've uh, my journey starts about 23 years ago. So I've always been kind of around the digital and the medical device space on the outskirts uh, it, before I came into college as like chief medical officer. So it started in graduate school when I was doing traumatic brain injury research. Uh, we wanted to create a better way to measure intracranial pressure uh, without drilling a hole in somebody's head because that was the, that's the typical way that you do it. And we wanted to use a quantitative EEG, which at the time was like crazy expensive. So we didn't have the budget to do it. So we got this old rusty EEG machine donated to us by the hospital and we hooked it up to a computer and we created our own QEEG. And that could take the electrical activity that was measured over a time domain on, you know, when you, you wear those hats and it gives you the squiggly lines. Well, that's a time domain. So we applied fast Fourier transform to it in real time and we made a frequency domain and that allowed us to get our data. So that was like my first digital interfacing medical device. And then after that, I worked with a biophysicist to measure erythema or redness and swelling in the gum tissue. And, and that helped periodontists uh, when they're doing surgery because the naked eye, uh, you can't really see what area is infected and what area is not infected. So we shined a light into that tissue and based on the reflection frequencies or the reflection coefficient of those lights, we built a digital system to tell if there was increased blood flow or infection there. And so that was my second medical device before I went to medical school. Now, once I was in medical school, I didn't really have time to you know, study or anything like that. So, but I did have time to join a uh, BBC radio show. I was a producer there and it was called The Naked Scientist. It was based out of Cambridge, uh, Cambridge England. There's, there's nothing naked about it. If you haven't heard about it, they, they strip science down. Yeah, it's like Jamie Oliver and The Naked Chef, you know. They strip science down to the bare essentials for the public understanding of science. So I was able to interview and um, meet a lot of renowned scientists that, that you know, were from all over the world. So I saw firsthand, though, how important education was in the medical and the scientific space and how it could really, really enhance the patient's experience. And that really struck me. And when I was leaving, they had everything in place to do their first podcast. And I asked myself, well, you know, what, or I asked them, like, what's a podcast? And when they told me, I thought, oh, this is a game changer. You know, I, I kind of channeled my inner Joe Rogan and I was like, oh, this is, this is going to be fantastic. They're going to reach so many more people using this digital approach. And it was true that I checked about five years ago and I think they had reached 40 million people. But before that, just the radio show had a potential audience of like 1.4 million a week or something like that. So, so the digital approach really kind of broadened access. And I kept that in mind as I was going through my, my journey. I, after med school, I continued with a PhD and I focused on internet addictions or behavioral addictions like gambling, online gambling addiction and stuff. And so by this time, I was really immersed in the digital space. I, I focused on gaming disorder, problematic social media use and excessive porn use amongst users. And we really helped a lot of people one-on-one -on -one with these problems. But, you know, I really wanted to scale up and help more people. And at the same time, I was getting an MBA in healthcare management from the United States. And I came across this concept called value. Yeah, it was a lot of education. Um, but I, I uh, yeah, I, I like to stay busy. So uh, I came across this concept called value-based healthcare. 
And I became obsessed with these models. So you're, you're helping the patient, you're improving outcomes, you're helping the physician as well. And you're also helping the payer in like the most effective way. So it really solidified this vision to you know, take healthcare a step beyond, you know, or one, a step beyond the, the one-on-one patient interactions. And um, so then I did my training in Malta. And like I said, it's one of the best health care systems in Europe. So I was surrounded by all these amazing doctors. I learned a lot, but the thing I was really focused on was value-based strategies. So I was always looking at like best price model, best practice models, best pricing models, and how you can integrate that into the system. And when it came time to take my next step in the training, I just really wanted to help people with online behavioral addictions. And I saw it was ruining so many people's lives. But the funny thing is like they weren't coming to the hospital. Like they were trying to solve their problems online. So I thought, well, yeah, I'm just going to go directly to them. And I created this platform called Tech Addiction Doc. And that got the attention of some of my friends who had created Comzy. And they asked me to come on as chief medical officer and help them fulfill like an even greater vision of, of helping provide mental health access to the world. And I did that and I haven't looked back. It's, it's been amazing. It's like, it's like being a doctor at, at Pixar. It's so cool. Yeah. I love my job. Exactly. It's, it's a broad scale and you really, uh, you really can affect so many people's lives in a positive way. And uh, yeah. And we think about that every, every time we start a meeting, like, you know, when we come up with a cool idea, we always think I have to look at it in both medical and business terms. And the first thing you think is this is going to help so many people. And this is also a good business model as well. So it's a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting take on, on that. Well, okay, Comsi was founded uh, on the premise of that we want to provide healthcare uh, or high quality mental health care to the world. And uh, so, so we're doing that by providing breakthrough solutions for mental health. And we do that through two things major, or two major things, uh, digital therapeutics and digital health products. So we're basically leveraging technology to personalize mental health care for everyone. And uh, two of the main disorders that we focus on include depression and anxiety. And the reason why we're doing this is because depression worldwide affects about 260 million people. And anxiety disorders have like, you know, I, I think it affects 29% of the population. Uh, so, so we've seen that there are huge barriers to care though. Uh, we find that in low to middle income countries that around 75% of people who need it don't actually receive mental health care. And one of the main reasons for this is due to a shortage of specialists. And that's, that's what we started trying to address when we, when, when, when we created Comsi. So there's roughly about one psychiatrist for every 100,000 people worldwide. And yeah, and that's, 
that's not, I think it's, I think that there's a huge gap. I think the World Health Organization, I was talking to somebody today about it and they recommend 20 per 100,000 or something like that. So we're really, we're really, you know, uh, we've got a special shortage there. And there, there are other barriers to care that include like cost, uh, social stigma that's associated with just even, you know, not only having a mental illness, but just talking about a mental illness. So, um, but it's not just in low to middle income countries. If you look at the U.S., for example, uh, about 57% of adults with mental illness, they don't receive treatment. That's actually 26 million people. But the interesting thing about that, though, is that 22 million of them are covered by health insurance. So coverage doesn't always guarantee that they have access to care. So we address this and we help out the, the, you know, the population by delivering either digital therapeutics or digital health products uh, that are, we, we always like to say they're affordable, anonymous, and they're available 24 hours a day, every day. So we're basically putting high quality therapeutic support directly onto your device. So we're putting a psychiatry or psychiatrist. Yeah. Yeah, our, our platform right now is active in Poland, right? Uh, one of the first things that we created was a telemedicine platform that we're really proud of uh, because it, it's, it's, now the, um, it, it's now able to provide mental health uh, services to university students all throughout Poland, uh, and they do it for free. So it, the government has an arrangement uh, through our platform where they're able to, to, to provide this to university students. So, um, so if, if a person in Malta wanted to use it, you would have to use it as a coaching service. It couldn't be thera therapeutic because you can't do ther therapy over, over the borders. But they could use our, our apps. Our, our apps are basically CBT-based chatbots uh, that help to address um, anxiety, depression, uh, low mood, uh, negative thoughts, uh, anger management, things like that. And we, uh, we also do a lot of... Um, a bit or a habit transformation as well. It's, it's huge. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right now we have these uh, chatbots that are CBT based and they're text based. But one of the coolest things that we're doing, and this is what I get really excited about. This is, this is the thing that gets me out of bed in the mornings is uh, we're creating video bots for kids. And so you imagine a, a seven year old who's going through, his, his parents are going through a messy divorce and he has to go to therapy. Uh, but he doesn't really want to open up to somebody like me with gray hair or bald and, you know, dressed in a white coat. So, uh, but he would be able to, or he would be willing to connect and share with a, an avatar of his choosing. Like say, for example, uh, you know, a, a, a teddy bear or a panda bear or something like that. And so, um, so we've created these video bots uh, that follow a well-scripted CBT based you know, therapy model 
and um, they're able to interact with, with children in real time. So that's our next step. And then I think we, we find ways to integrate digital health into the metaverse, which I think is a, a, big, uh, a big trend that's going to happen in healthcare. Yeah. Well, one of the interesting things about being at the MedTech conference was uh, it was during multi-week. So there were so many, there were FinTech people and there were gaming, gaming and gambling industry people there as well. So you can have conversations about digital health with a, uh, a gamer or a person who designs games and you can get some really good ideas about it. So we, we got a lot of interesting metaverse uh, ideas based off of those conversations. So, but, uh, but, Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there are actually studies. Yeah, it's it's really a, a cool way to watch them interact. There are actually studies that show that kids can develop immediate rapport with them, and if the bot shows empathy, they can really have a conversation. And the thing that's really cool about it is it um, provides information for the doctor. Uh, so you know, you, you, we, we've got the ability to analyze a conversation and raise up red flags. So if the kid's having crisis, uh, we, can, we can direct them to get the help that they need immediately. If, um, if, if there are other red flags that are, that are brought up, then uh, you know, at the beginning of the conversation with the physician in person, they can review it very quickly and say, okay, I saw last Tuesday, you were thinking about this. So these bots aren't supposed to replace doctors. And I, I don't think they can replace doctors, but they can bridge that gap between uh, sessions because we found that even if you're insured, a lot of people only get maybe three visits a month where they might need six or seven visits a month. Um, it, and this, this technology allows you to do that. And it allows you to do it when you need it as well. So say, for example, you have a panic attack and you want to go through an anxiety dialogue. Uh, you, you, can grab the, you can grab the bot and go through it. So right now we're in the, um, we're actually validating our adult products and uh, we're about to introduce the, um, the, the adolescent product in, into a study at the beginning of uh, 2022. So we should have our first results uh, January, uh, January, February 2022. Ha, <laughs> so All right, tell me when I tell me when the, the minute's done. Uh, so Let's go back to my passion for value-based healthcare. So, and I'll, I'll talk to the people who are you know, probably watching these videos where they come from a product design standpoint. I, I think if you focus on lowering costs and improving care to improve outcomes, that's when you're really gonna you know, elevate healthcare and really 
Yeah, you see in all these pitch decks, everybody's like, oh, we're introducing psychiatry to the 21st century. Well, you know, we're already here. <laughs> and uh, I think if you bring these value-based strategies, you, you really are elevating healthcare. You really are introducing it uh, to the 21st century with all this technology that we have. You're going to lower costs for the patients. You're going to get better outcomes for the patients. For providers, you get, you know, higher patient satisfaction rates, better care efficiencies, and uh, for society, you, you, you reduce healthcare spending um, when you, you keep these, these you know, ideals uh, in place when you're designing a product design. can't wait. See you.